Hello to God's most wonderful people, and today with me is my wife Suzanne. And we're going to talk about something very, very important and very special. But first, let's pray. Wonderful Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're about to do. Bless your people. Bless them, greater Lord. Minister your word to them in a mighty way today, in Jesus' holy name. And God's people said, Amen and Amen. And thank you for being my wonderful family and wonderful partners. I want to help all of you uh, know what the Bible has to say about praying right. And the only way we can pray right is by following the roadmap the Lord gave us in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. So would you mind reading, baby? Let's begin with Matthew 6, verse 9, right through verse 13. Pray then in this way. Okay, now you see, when the Lord says pray in this way, He's not saying repeat the prayer I'm giving you, because a lot of people say, well, okay, so the Lord said, pray our Father which art in heaven, you know, hallowed be your name. So they, like when I grew up, that's how we prayed. I didn't realize the Lord was giving us a roadmap into His presence with that prayer. So just read that again, baby. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I always say, and the evil one. And the power and the glory forever. Is yours. Amen. Is yours. Amen. Amen. For that is the kingdom, power, and glory. So what we see in this, uh, what is called the Lord's Prayer is really the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is John 17. So what we see here is 10 revelations of the Lord's Prayer. And in those 10 revelations, we see a road map into God's presence. How do we enter? So no, nobody can pray right. Number one, till they have what? A relationship with the Lord. Because it says, our Father. Our Father means relationship. So, it's very, very important to understand that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, what happens? In Romans 8.15 and Galatians 4.6, it says, the Spirit cries, Abba. Because of relationship, the church and the Holy Spirit cry, Abba. In one portion of, uh, in Romans 8.15 and Galatians 4.6, we see two things. In one, we cry Abba. In the other scripture, he cries Abba. So it's really one cry from both the Holy Spirit and the church. So that is very important to understand because relationship is the key that brings us into the presence of the Lord. So nobody can really pray properly unless they are in fellowship with God. Number two, you just read, which art in heaven. Well, which art in heaven means citizenship. And the Bible says something powerful about this. So, can you go to Philippians 3, honey? Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. Because we have to understand the importance of what this really says. That our citizenship is in heaven. We cannot approach God as citizens of earth. We'll go, we'll go nowhere with that. Okay? Shall I, shall I help you? Okay. <laughs> no, it's just a new Bible. Philippians, so like, Philippians, there you go, oh, there's Philippians. I know. Chapter 3, verse 20. 
Okay. Chapter 3, verse 20. But we are different because our citizenship is in heaven. And from there we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we are citizens of heaven, not of earth. When we approach God as citizens of heaven, we have an audience. It's no different than when uh, we are citizens of some country, we have rights. Okay, So we're citizens of heaven, meaning we have rights in heaven. We have rights to approach God's throne, in other words. So, uh, a child of God should always recognize <clears throat> that the source of all blessings from God in our life is in heaven. N- none of the blessings uh, come without looking upward. So, when we look to heaven we receive what God gives us from heaven. So it's so important to understand our citizenship because, like I just said, our citizenship, our citizenship guarantees our rights as believers. So we can't really approach God without knowing our rights. That's why the Lord said, which art in heaven. So when when people play, uh, pray right, number number one, relationship. Number two, Citizenship, which means I'm walking with God, I have rights. And number three, hallowed be thy name. That's what it says. That's worship. So this is a a new manner of, of approaching the Lord. Nobody can pray right till they worship first. Because that's what the Lord said. Yeah. You you approach God by You're holy. Mm -hmm. Derek Prince said something powerful about holiness. He said, holiness is the totality of who God is. So, if we say God is gracious, God is merciful, long-suffering, loving, forgiving. He said, in the word holy, everything comes together. Mm -hmm. So, when I say, Lord, you are merciful... Well, that's correct. Lord, you are gracious. Yes. Lord, you are loving. Yes. Lord, you are long-suffering. Yes. Lord, you are good. Yes. But when I say you're holy, I'm saying all that at one time. And he said something powerful. He said, when you look at Isaiah 6, and you see the cherubs, it says with two wings they covered what? Their face, their legs with the other two, and they flew with two. Now this is amazing. That covering is worship. Wow. So when Elijah uh, met God in Horeb, it says he covered his face. That's worship. So they covered their faces and their feet. That's an act of worship. And he said they flew. He said they use four wings for worship and two for service. Because flying means service. I'm serving you, Lord. So he said worship has the double impact of service. Isn't that powerful? That's amazing. So six wings. With four they worshipped and with two they served. Wow. So worship has double the impact of service. So notice how many people in the church serve 
and never worship. Wow. Yeah. So that's why Jesus said, worship brings you in. Hallowed be your name. So, fellowship, citizenship, worship. And following that, and you know, worship is adoration. So, now, then thy kingdom come. Why thy kingdom come? Because that is saying to the Lord, Lord, you are first in my life. Not my family, not my business, not my friends. You are number one. So I cannot come into God's presence if he's number three or number four in my life. He's not going to look at me. Uh, In the Eastern culture, and so it is in Africa, uh, our life, we are taught in our life from childhood to honor our parents, to honor our elders. When I was in school and the teacher walked in, everybody stood up. Honor. The Bible says uh, in the Old Covenant how when you see an old man stand up, it's honor. Honor. Uh, Kenneth Copeland, when Evelyn Roberts passed, and we're all sitting, uh, you you were there waiting for the service to begin. When Oral walked in, he, he stood up and we all stood up with him. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow. He knows how to honor a man of God like this. But today you don't see that. So honor is so important to God. It says, honor the Lord with all your substance, with everything you have. Honor and love are one. Honor and fear are one. When you, when you honor someone, you fear them, you revere them, in other words. I'm not saying you, you're afraid of them. That's a whole different it's world. A, it's a reverence. It's a reverence. You revere the person you fear, and you can't love someone you don't revere. Mm-hmm. So you can't love someone you don't honor. So what what am I saying here? Number one, fellowship, citizenship, worship, honor. You're number one in my life. We honor him. Mm-hmm. Isn't that powerful? That's very Other, powerful. You know, otherwise, we're not praying right. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's something that I... I was listening while you were you were teaching earlier, but I I, I want to just say something because it was so powerful. Uh, where you said God cannot fail, promises of God cannot fail. The believer cannot fail if we refuse to fail in prayer. Wow. Yeah. So the believer cannot fail on one condition: if he does not fail in prayer, mm. then he won't fail. But people who fail in prayer will fail. Yes. Isn't that great? So, by the way, you did great. Um, so, let's just keep keep going. Because the next thing we, we look at, which is so amazing, is thy will be done. Well, thy will be done means I surrender to you. I don't have a will of my own. Mm-hmm. So, the next key is surrender. So, think about fellowship, citizenship, Worship, honor, surrender. When I surrender, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm yours. Because without you, I have no life. And Jesus was saying, when I say thy will be done, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, my life is yours. I have no will of my own. I remember hearing Catherine Kuhlman and Pat Robertson and other wonderful teachers back in the 70s who said one thing about the the will of God that just stayed with me. 
He said, if you want God's will, have no will of your own. And it has to be the perfect will of God. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that. Because when we talk about the perfect will of God, we're talking about the revealed will, will of God. Mm-hmm. So in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it talks about the secret will. Though the secret will, only God knows. Mm-hmm. So nobody can oppose his will. Paul talks about in Romans, who can oppose his will? He's talking about opposing the secret will because we don't know it. Number two, permissive will. So he gave them their heart's desire, but sent leanness to their soul, it says in the Psalms. So it's permissive. It's like God saying to Balaam, okay, go do it. After he said, don't do it. But Balaam wanted to go so bad because of greed in his life. God said, okay, go to show him his real heart. Sometimes God releases us to do our own thing, to reveal our hearts to us, how wicked our hearts are. Uh, it talks about uh, King Hezekiah. It says God left him to himself to reveal his heart to him. So God left Balaam to himself because God had said to him, don't go with him, to go to Balaam. You know? Don't go with him or to Balak. Don't, don't go with him. But he was so greedy that he didn't want to stop. He, he, he kept wanting to go for God said, okay, go. And people get confused about, well, why would God say to Balaam, don't go? And then he says, go. Because that's his permissive will. No different than with Hezekiah. Okay, I'm going to leave you. See how, see how you like it kind of thing. But the third is what you just said is the revealed will. The revealed will is where we find his perfect will. And the revealed will is in his word. So when Jesus said, your will be done, it's saying to the Lord, I have no will of my own. You're Lord of my life. So that's very important that we not only uh, say, Lord, I honor you, but Lord, I surrender. Your will be done, not, not mine. But would you say basically with, with that, that, you know, the ask, the seek, and that basically the perfect will is basically found, we know, in the secret place, but also in the knocking place? Maybe. Nobody knows the secret will, according to the scriptures. It says the secret things, the secret will belongs to God. That's in Deuteronomy 29, 29. So we cannot know God's secret will, because that's not revealed. We know his revealed will. And his revealed will is the scriptures. Yeah. Only in the Bible. So we cannot find God's will, revealed will, without the Bible. Yeah. So prayer on its own does not reveal the will of God. Yeah. The word reveals the will of God. And then we pray according to the will of God. So this is the confidence we have in him. We ask if we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. So it's the word. When people neglect the Bible, they're not praying right mm-hmm. because they don't know his will. Mm-hmm. And what when we say your will be done, I'm saying, Lord, I surrender to your word. I surrender to your will. I will not live my own life on my own. You live your life through me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now let's keep going. And then we have something so powerful. Now that I have gone through these five places in prayer, from fellowship, citizenship, worship, honor, surrender, now I'm permitted to say, give us this day of my, our daily bread. Now that's where petitions begin. How sad 
that most Christians get straight into petitions. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. And no prayer is answered. Why? They did not, first, they, they're not walking with, with God properly to even do that. See? Catherine Gooman uh, said that the first thing she ever did, she, she would do every morning, is acknowledge His presence when she woke up. I do that every morning. The first thing out of my mouth. First thing out of my mouth. Dear Jesus. I won't even do anything else. When I wake up in the morning, this morning, yesterday, the first words out of my mouth, all the glory belongs to you, Heavenly Father. All the glory belongs to you, Jesus. All the glory belongs to the Holy Spirit. And then I can start my day. I recognize Him first. The first thing out of my lips is not anything else but that. And I recognize Him throughout the day. Because... That is what God does when the Word takes hold of us in our life. We become so attached to Him, we can't see life without Him. So it's really important to understand, you can't say to God, well, here's my need, before you say, Lord, I love you. Mm. You're my Heavenly Father. I'm yours. I'm a citizen of Heaven. I have rights. I worship you, Lord. I honor you, Lord. I surrender to your will, Lord, and to you, Lord. Then I can say, you know, bless Suzanne and Jessica and Tashi and Josh and Lily and the grandchildren. Because I can't pray like that. I can't be asking for things. The last thing I pray for is once I'm done reading the word, uh, then, and I spend about an hour and a half every morning, sometimes more, but about that every day. The the last thing I pray for is the church that's under persecution, and I go through it, through one nation at, at a time. I begin with China, I go to North Korea, I go to India and Pakistan and Afghanistan and Iran. I actually go through the list in my head with, with the Lord. I say, Lord, your people in those countries. And then I go to the Arab world, Iraq, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, all that. And then I pray for Africa. Then I pray for Turkey, I pray for Eastern Europe, and I pray for North America, South America, and so on, and the islands of the sea. And then I focus on one place, especially Israel. Mm -hmm. So because God really cares about that nation. But I don't do any of that till I just, till I do what I just been talking about. And I'm not just trying to impress you or anybody, even though you're my wife. I do that. So petitions follow those five places on that roadmap. But look what, what happens here. So after the petitions come what? Forgive our sin as we forgive others. Now this is very, very important because um, this is where we have to confess our sins. So petition, very important. But then we have to be free from the uh, problems with people. I can't have the right relationship with God. He's not going to be pleased with my life if I can't forgive people who harm me and say nasty things about us. And when it comes to, to forgiveness, that is one of the most difficult requirements that God put on us. You know, I can easily honor, uh, I should say, walk with Him and and have know, know my rights as a, as a citizen and worship him and honor him and so on. But when I do those things, then I can forgive. I can't forgive 
Falou never relationship with God, it's impossible. And forgiveness is very important. People ask, well, do I forgive people when they ask me to forgive them? My answer is, what, what, what did Jesus do on the cross? Did he have anybody say, I'm sorry? Not one. He said, forgive them, they don't know what they do. But people sometimes take the example from the Gospels, where the, where the Lord said, For, forgive 70 times 7. And he did say in that portion, if your brother comes and can ask you to forgive, you have to, to, to forgive. But the God we serve wants us to forgive whether they ask or not. You know why? Because if we don't forgive, the only person it harms is us. Mm-hmm. Your dad, your dad used to say something very powerful from Matthew. That if you don't forgive, you'll be given to the tormentors. A lot of people today have devils because they can't forgive. And if they don't forgive, they'll be tormented for the rest of their life. Forgiveness is releasing me and you from bondage. Mm-hmm. Think about how much bondage there is in the church today. Because they just won't forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, David Duplessis was a mighty man of God. You remember him? I remember David. Yeah, we used to call him Mr. Pentecost. I heard him one time in Singapore, and he always preached on forgiveness. And he said something really, really powerful. He said, after Jesus rose from the dead, never one time did he say, did you see what Judas did to me? Never one time. He was free from what Judah did to him. Think about that. Think about that. Now, Judas paid heavily for it. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But the the question is, Jesus never one time even mentioned him afterwards. Never one time said, did you see what he did? Not a word. No. Peter denies the Lord. I don't know him. When the Lord saw him, not one time did they rebuke him. Instead he said, do you love me? And the man melted. Mm-hmm. The love of God wins always. Now, the Lord never wants to say, you bad boy, you Peter, you, 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 you not even a word. Mm-hmm. The Lord understood the part of love, honey. The part of love. Now, Judas paid a heavy price. Not only did, did he die, but the Bible has a lot more to say. Jesus said it'll be, you know, easier if you were not born than to do this. But the Lord Jesus himself, how precious is the Lord. Now, on the cross, he said, they know not what they do or forgive him. How amazing the thief on the cross just said, Lord, remember me. That's all he said, just remember me. And you see the heart of the Lord, you know. So, when, when, when we live this kind of life, fellowship, citizenship, worship, honor, surrender, and much more. Then we, we come to the place our asking is biblical. Mm-hmm. And now we're able to do something that's not possible without that walk with God like that. To say, I forgive. Now, forgiveness um, releases you. It will not release them. Because mm-hmm. they have to ask forgiveness from the Lord for what they do to other people. I learned that years ago. It was tough for me to to uh, 
come to that place on my own. It's tough for anyone. But now that my, my relationship with the Lord is so close, and closer than I've, it's ever been in my life, it's easy. I said, no. No need to carry it. Richard Nixon said something. He said, if you hate people, you lower yourself below where they are. You only harm yourself. So you let, let, let it go. All right. Uh, let's, let's, let's go to one more. Lead us not into temptation. Because of that kind of life. Now I'm asking God to prevent me from repeating my sin. Because before that, I, for, I, I confess my sin. I forgive my enemies. Now I'm saying, Lord, don't help me not to go back and do it again. You're not powerful. But 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 only only the man and woman who's living in that relationship, that citizenship, that worship and all, only they can be free from doing and that's why people today go right back and do the same thing, have to com- confess the same uh, sin. Why? Because they have no relationship with the with the with, with the Lord. They don't see themselves as citizens of heaven, they don't worship, they don't honor him, they don't surrender to him. So what what do they expect? They're gonna go right back and do it all over again. Now, number nine. Deliver us from the evil one. I'm glad you pointed that out because this prayer is the prayer of strength. Mm -hmm. Lord, give me strength to live the Christian life. Have power over the enemy to resist him. You can't resist the devil without strength. Mm -hmm. And God says, let him take hold of my strength. How do I do that? Well, by doing all I've been talking about for the last half hour or so. Almost half an hour now. So that's number nine. And number ten, for thine is the kingdom, power and glory. Praise. Mm -hmm. No prayer is complete till I praise him for listening to my request. Mm -hmm. So that is how we pray right. So earlier you had said, rightfully, that we have to pray right. And we have to Understand what prayer is. And why do we pray, you know, to glorify the Lord and much more than that. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. You know, the only uh, prayer of a sinner that God hears is only one. I heard uh, Jerry Falwell years ago say that God does not hear the prayers of unbelievers. And they attacked him. Viciously on that, uh, on that. Well, frankly, he's right. The only prayer God hears when an unbeliever prays is, come into my heart. Then he'll hear all the rest. God doesn't hear the prayer of sinners because he said the righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers from all their trouble. If you look at Psalm 34 and others, it's the righteous that God hears. The Lord hears it says the prayers of the righteous are heard. So Jeremiah was right on with the Bible. So prayer is so important, saints. But I want to say one more thing. Uh, prayer is the engine. What's what's the fuel? The word of God. This is the fuel that keeps the engine going. And the word produces prayer. 
Jesus said in John 15, 7, he said, if my word abides in you, you will ask. If my word is in you, you will ask. So the word gives birth to prayer. So let's pray. Well, Father, we we do enter into your gates with thanksgiving, and we are so grateful and thankful, Lord, and have such gratitude, Lord, that you have literally given us the tools, you have given us the rightful place as your covenant sons and daughters, Lord, that we can have the fuel, that we can have the things that are necessary, Lord, through your word, through through our prayers, Lord, that we can enter into those places, Lord. Father, we give you praise because praise is a powerful weapon against the enemy, Lord. That mm-hmm. we can't help but just literally be on our faces in worship in that place of adoration, Father, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray you bless them greatly and meet every need in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to give. The word of God is very clear on giving. The Bible says, cast your bread on the water. That's Ecclesiastes 11. It will return to you after many days. So we have a number of keys here about giving. Number one, whatever you sow will come back as a harvest. You never lose your seed. It goes into your tomorrow. And the Lord sends the harvest every single time. Nothing will stop the harvest. Nothing will stop the part of the seed when you sow it. Um, I was with with Suzanne years ago. We went to see her sister Liz. And on the walkway, there was, it was uh, cement. But through the cement, we, we saw grass growing through the cement. And I said to Sue, I said, look at all the grass growing through that cement. She said, yeah, it doesn't look that good. I said, no, no, look at the grass growing through the cement. Her response was, yeah, I'm going to tell my sister to clean it. I said, Sue, look at the grass growing through that cement. She said, what What are you trying to say? I said, the grass is stronger than the cement. Wow. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the seed broke right through the cement. Wow. And the Lord spoke to me one day and he said, no satanic cement will ever stop the harvest. Wow. And people sometimes look for the harvest. You know, you don't have to look for it. It's looking for you. All you have to do is sow the seed. It says that simple. And then the Bible says something powerful. In verse 2, it, it says, sow a portion of seven, also of eight. Because you, you don't know what evil is coming. What does that mean? It means you increase your seed for the harvest to increase. When I used to fly private, I fly commercial often now, but and we ever, if we ever hit turbulence, I would go up to the pilot and say, go higher, go up in altitude to get out of the turbulence. And you'd feel those engines pull that plane up, and now we're free from the turbulence. I think sometimes all we have to do when we run through some turbulence financially is get those engines moving, the engines of giving. So the more we give, we'll be out of that turbulence financially. And that's what that means in that in that verse. Give a portion of seven, also of eight, because you'll be free from evil when it comes. And the future too. Number three, in a chapter it says, <clears throat> it says the storms will come, the trees will fall, all that. And if you observe the storm and the wind, you'll not sow or reap. Meaning, even the givers are going to have problems in life. There'll be storms. But the Bible says, he that observes the wind will not sow. 
He that observes the clouds will not so reap. So it means don't look at them. Ignore physical realities. Mm-hmm. Focus on the promise of God. See? Number four. Number four is powerful. Number four says, you don't know how a baby grows in the womb of a mother. You don't know how the wind blows. That's how it starts. It says, you don't know how the wind blows. You don't know how the baby grows. Neither do you know the work of God. Means, I have no clue how a baby grows in the womb of a mommy. Our daughter right now, Lily, is pregnant with her second child. I have no idea how that baby is growing. But God knows. Mm-hmm. And then it says, we don't even know how the wind blows. They took a seed. To get to you got it. <laughs> but still, still. <laughs> now, then it says, but only God knows his work. Meaning, only God knows how the seed works. If I don't know how the wind can blow, how the baby grows, how would I know how the seed works? Mm-hmm. Only God knows how the seed works. So, number five. And number five is verse six. It says, sow your seed in the morning and sow it in the evening. Because you, you, you don't know which one will trigger a bigger harvest. Yeah. So what is my job? Well, my job is cast my bread, increase it, get out of turbulence. Don't look at the clouds. Don't look at the rain. Don't look on the wind. I'm not going to understand how it works. So, Lord, here's my seed. Your You're the boss. You're the one who knows how it works. And God always brings the harvest to us. So think about how secure you will be in the future when you sow seed like that with faith in your heart. I have been a Christian by by February of 2022. I'll be a Christian for 50 years. I was born again. February 14, 1972. I've been 57 years. Yeah, well, because you got saved when when you were six. (laughs) And when I lived in Israel, nobody told me about Jesus until we moved to Canada. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I've experienced that amazing promise when your dad sat me down and said, uh, are you a giver? And I got really, really nervous about it. He said, because I won't let my daughter marry you if you're not a giver. He began asking me specific questions on how much do you give? And I said, well, that's between God and me. Oh, no, he said, you're about to become my son-in-law. It'll be between God, you and I. How much do you give? Because at that time, I was in debt. I'd just gone on TV in 1977. And uh, I never had been in debt before. And I went on TV, prime time, Sunday night, City TV in Toronto. And your daddy was trying to figure out why, why, why is he in debt? And he said, Benny, the law of giving is a fixed law. You can't change it. Because I said, well, you know, I have bills to pay. Like, you know, I can't give. He said, the law of God is a fixed law. He said, you pay God's bills and he'll pay yours. And I put that to the, to the test after you, you really talked to me. Saying six months later, I was out of debt. I owed $200,000. I was 25 years old. Imagine 200000 when you were so young. In, in our ministry, this was for our ministry, not, not me personally. The, the ministry came out of debt in six months. 
God just blessed us like you can't believe. And I said, Roy was right. It works. Lord, we pray everyone who sows that seed will see a harvest so massive. It will bring them out of debt and bless their life. In Jesus' holy name. Amen and Amen.